This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Buyers Automotive and Letterman Row. If you're looking for an auto, go to buyersauto.com. Check out their selection of new and used vehicles anywhere online, but also specifically in Central Ohio, if you're so inclined. If you're interested in Ohio State recruiting conversation today, myself and Zach Carpenter are going to be breaking down the surprising development in the recruitment of transfer portal cornerback Elias Ricks, the possibility of five-star 2023 linebacker safety athlete, uh, Sonny Styles reclassifying in class 2022, and whatever else comes up. So let's get to the show. Zach Carpenter is joining me here now. It's talking stuff. And uh, Zach, I mean, I guess it's Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon. We got to just dive into what people are talking about today. The Letterman Lounge on the uh, Letterman Row Forum is a Twitter, uh, a, a flutter. It's a lot of uh, something uh, talking about a lot Twitter, of Twitter. Are you now, are you going to do, do your Santa Claus imp- impersonation or what? I, I don't even know what that means. I'm just so frustrated uh, because, you know, this is one of these situations where you want to tell people, hey, everything's fluid. Just because Ohio State's talking to a player doesn't mean that they're all in on that player. Just because a visit is planned. I mean, even if you go back to the summertime, Ohio State welcomed in players like Carson Hinsman, for example, for an official visit. He didn't even have an offer yet at that time. They, they brought in Kenneth Grant for an official visit, knowing full well that they weren't going to go full speed ahead in his recruitment until four or five months later if it came down to it. So, you know, scheduling someone for an official visit uh, is a good way to make sure that that player takes a visit. And especially in a situation where you have such a short window of time to learn about someone or to evaluate them or do background checks, you really don't have a, a huge number of days to get that plan. So, um, you know, let's just, I guess, backdrop, right? Back Backstory, Tuesday morning, Chris Hummer of 247 Sports reported that Ohio State was no longer going to be recruiting Elias Ricks and that they were, I think the quote was, moving in a different direction. Uh, that, Zach, spurned a lot of conversation about Ohio State not recruiting him because they were afraid they were going to lose other players from the roster or something if that uh, if that visit happened and if Ricks ended up flip, uh, committing to Ohio State. So I just want to start right there and say that's not true. Ohio State did not move on from this recruitment because they were worried about other guys potentially leaving. At Ohio State, Ryan Day has shown in the last few years If there's a player that they want to go after in the transfer portal, they will go after that player in the transfer portal if he is a obvious upgrade to what they have on the roster and it's a player that makes sense from a physical standpoint, i.e. he's healthy enough to contribute and you know that. Uh, There aren't injury concerns in his background that, you know, you still would worry about. There aren't potential off-the-field things or, um, you know, eligibility issues like we saw with Paulie Neoteote. I mean, the Buckeyes welcomed him as a transfer, even though they weren't sure about his eligibility um, last year. But they also knew they had nothing to lose if they brought him in, because if he was there, you don't it doesn't cost you anything. Um, But here we are, Elias Ricks on Tuesday morning. Elias told me at, at, at like 1030, Zach, that he was still planning on visiting Ohio State this coming weekend. And there's a number of different things I could say about this. But first, I just want your take on the way that stuff like this gets handled uh, in the media, because to me, that's my biggest frustration is that Elias Ricks is in California. If someone at Ohio state or, or someone on a national level told a reporter, Hey, this isn't, this is no longer happening. And the kid isn't even awake yet in California and doesn't even know that this is happening. It's, it's sort of hard to watch it all unfold in real time. Well, after you just went on that rant, I guess it's my turn to to take over the debate. I mean, Ohio State isn't going to be worried about hurt feelings if you have the chance to bring in a five-star talent, first-round, uh, probable first-round uh, pick and Elias Ricks. I mean, this isn't Sisters of the Poor. I mean, it's not for the weak. They're going to bring in uh, a guy like that if he's the right fit, like for all the reasons you just said. Um, but – I guess my take on how this is handled in the media, I mean, everyone's got to be the first to report it, right? 
Um, and then the, you have the top four list that comes out for Rick's and the, uh, and the different updates and stuff. And I know you've been as glued into Rick's as pro as a lot, as well as anyone else. Um, what, uh, as it has transpired over the last few days, what sort of information have you gathered, I guess, about, um, I, I know you're just hitting on it there, but what sort of things have you gathered about the potential for that visit happening and why he may or may not wind up taking that visit? Yeah, I mean, Ohio State clearly was interested enough in, in doing the background work on Elias Ricks. That started a week ago when uh, Kerry Combs immediately went to see him uh, down south. And the, the truth here is that Ohio State is obviously interested. They weren't afraid to upset the, the room uh, because clearly you schedule the official visit and, and you do that because you realize, hey, maybe this guy's worth it. Um, but as you start to do stuff and background check and you say, okay, maybe this doesn't fit for what our culture is. Maybe this doesn't fit. I'm not even going to sit here and pretend I know all the answers to this. Obviously it's frustrating. If, if you're an Ohio state fan watching this, listening to this, you see a player that was a former five-star cornerback, a player who was all American freshman, all American in 2020, big time player, but he only played, I think four games this year. I think there are some concerns about the long-term health issues that maybe uh, that there are concerns about. I know I just said concerns twice, but Ultimately, and this is where things just get really muddled, Zach, because we're in this world where you preach loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. And if you're not willing to be loyal to the guys that you have and say, hey, you know what? We could bring in someone else, but we think you can do this. Um, then you're, you, you do run the risk of losing guys, but that's not what happened here. This wasn't an ultimatum by anyone on the, on the roster. It wasn't a situation where players were, you know, clamoring for don't do this or I'm going to leave. It's nothing like that. I think it's just simply put Ohio state doesn't see from what they've looked at. If they're, if they're moving on here, it's because they don't think he is as big of an upgrade or as clear an upgrade at the position as, as the people on the outside do. And that, I mean, that, that has to be the only answer. Alabama's decided the same thing, clearly. Do, do you think it does come down to just injury concerns or health concerns, I guess, because they they recruited Elias Ricks out of high school so thoroughly. They they did their due diligence during that process, that years-long process. And now, I mean, wouldn't you think he would be, I guess, a fit in other ways? Yeah, at, but it, this you know, wasn't the same there? staff. I and mean, this isn't the same coaching staff. Kerry right. Combs wasn't recruiting Elias Ricks. Ryan Day wasn't recruiting Elias Ricks. Uh, so you you don't have a lot of the the long term relationship stuff there. I mean, the, obviously these guys knew about him. Ryan Day was on the staff uh, as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, but he wasn't recruiting him. Um, and, and I think it's just a situation where, again, I I don't want to try to dismiss people's concerns about hey, why isn't Ohio State bringing in a player that clearly has all American potential? It. The only answer, the only explanation for that is that they don't think it's as clear an upgrade as as the people on the outside do, as people who look at rankings and that kind of stuff. In 2019, it was so clear that Justin Fields was a leaps and bounds upgrade over what was on the roster that they had no choice but to go chase it. And with Trey Sermon, if you looked at the running back room with Master Teague and Marcus Crowley, they said, hey, this guy is a clear upgrade over what we have. We have to do it. They've shown that they're willing to do that in those instances and and even do that in a situation where you had a super high profile quarterback like Tate Martell on the roster, where you had a great program guy like Master Teague on the roster, who was a you know third team all Big Ten as a freshman, who you risk upsetting the apple cart there by um, bringing in Trey Sermon. They've clearly shown they're not afraid to ruffle feathers or 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 potentially hurt egos by if, if the player that they're recruiting and looking at in the transfer portal is a clear upgrade over what they have. And obviously they don't think that. Yeah. I mean, you look at the other side of the Island, you have Denzel Burke, who's completely solidified as a future star for the next two years. Uh, Cameron Brown has a decision to make about, about the NFL draft seven banks as well. I mean, and then you have Jaquelin Johnson and uh, Jordan Hancock were both like top 50 overall, overall players. So I know at cornerback, it, and then they're bringing in uh, they're bringing in Jair Brown, Ryan Turner, uh, Terrence Brooks, a couple other guys, and they they brought in so many defensive backs in the last two the last two cycles that I think they are fine there. Um, it, but 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 like you were hitting on, um, 
there Ohio State's been very selective in the transfer portal. It's not like with, with what Mel Tucker did at Michigan State. They're very selective. And are you uh, are, are you hearing any other names that might be a potential? I know that the Oklahoma tight end transfers one name that's being thrown out there. I think he's supposed to be coming for official visit. Uh, yeah, some, I think some, it's this weekend also, but you know, that's a position where if you look at the roster and again, I know this frustrates people who are Ohio state fans because they look at it and say, former five-star player, all this uh, other stuff, you know, freshman, all American, I get it. Like I totally understand it. It is confusing, but the, the simplest answer is the right answer. They don't believe it's a huge upgrade over what's on the roster. Now at tight end, if you can get a guy like Austin Stogner who played multiple years at Oklahoma and has been very productive and is a true tight end prospect, true tight end body, a, a, a guy that can block, who can run, he can catch, he can do all the things. He's had no health issues. Um, if you look at that in a position room at Ohio State where you have Cade Stover, who is a former linebacker slash defensive end, uh, running back in high school and safety in high school playing tight end, where you have G. Scott, who is a former wide receiver playing tight end, uh, and then you have Sam Hart and Joe Royer, who've never caught a pass in college football. That is a position where a one-year rental, a clear upgrade over the experience and the, uh, uh, I don't want to say capability. Obviously, those guys in the roster are talented. But Austin Stogner, if he were to choose Ohio State in the transfer portal, and I do think the Buckeyes are obviously interested enough to bring him in for a visit, that one makes a lot more sense because it's it's – a clear need on the roster heading into 2022. And I think I, I've kind of been on the Kate Stover G Scott train for a while. I do think they can be, I think they could be very uh, potential studs at, at, at the tight end position, um, if not at least serviceable. Um, but there's still a lot of development there. Pretty much every player on Ohio State's roster at tight end is someone who still needs more development. And that's why yeah. we, we, we've talked about Ben and Christian before as one of the most underrated commits in the 2022 class, like sort of most overlooked commits in that class because he has the physical capability as a blocker to um, to be uh, at least compete to be a year one contributor. Um, I know. So it feels like tight end and linebacker are the two positions on this roster that could use some help in the transfer portal. I know, I guess uh, they're Justin flow um, rumors that he might transfer from Oregon. So I'm sure if he does or Ohio state would, Love to take a look at him. Um, there's just I, I want, I'm wondering if there are now other linebacker prospects that could be brought on because Ryan Day on Sunday did talk about how they were thin at linebacker this year and could be thin next year with a ton of inexperience. Um, that, yeah, and you don't know what happens with Taraja Mitchell, for example. He's got a potential uh, COVID year if he wants to use it. He could transfer and do that somewhere else to get more playing time. Clearly, there are areas of concern on this roster that the Buckeyes will attempt to look at on the transfer portal. Um, but as you mentioned, like tight end is a developmental position. It takes three, four years in the Ohio state offense to get guys ready because it's not the same as Georgia, for example, with Brock Bowers, who has a true freshman, they just basically line him up as a big wide receiver and he goes and catches passes. That's not what Ohio state does with their tight ends. It's not what they want to do with their tight end. Other cornerback, nobody in America thought Denzel Burke was going to be a freshman All-American starting cornerback for Ohio State starting every single game this season. There are people who believe Terrence Brooks has that type of capability. He's a five-star cornerback prospect coming in and will be on campus in a month. So you have J.K. Johnson and Jordan Hancock who were unequivocally, and I don't state this to say that these two guys in the class of 2021 we're 100% Ohio State's top two targets at cornerback. That is the guys they – they. so if you trust Kerry Combs' development as a cornerback's coach and know that those are the guys he wanted, then you have to believe, with those two especially, that there's an opportunity for them to make a big leap between freshman year and sophomore year and that they're going to need to get them into the rotation. So, again, and I don't mean to keep belaboring the point, but with Elias Ricks, who's clearly a very talented guy and he's going to end up in a really good school, maybe Georgia, maybe USC, if those schools uh, want to make that that pitch, you just can't expect Ohio State to do things just because Alabama or Georgia or, or someone else does. Ohio State's program, despite the fact that they, you know, lost a couple games in the last year, and that's, I know that's got people frustrated, but they're not trying to build their program through the transfer portal, and they would they want to develop 
their guys. There's a reason that the Ohio State tagline is developed here. No one else in the country has that as their tagline. Okay, it's no one else has developed as part of their their giant pitch to to recruits. Alabama wins national championships every single year. It seems a every single uh, player who they bring in in the transfer portal comes in one year, done, move out, go to the NFL. That's great, but like that's not what Ohio State wants to do. And I I don't mean to dismiss people or to try to sound holier than now. And I said this on the Letterman Lounge earlier on Tuesday, but like if if that's what you want out of a college football program, then it might be time to to root for someone else because that's just not what not what this current Ohio State program is going to be about. And and I think that's very crystal clear from Ryan Day that that's his philosophy, because I think in so many press conferences, he talks about um, about people who they want people who want to be Buckeyes, because as soon as the going gets tough, like so many people might want to hit the transfer portal. And it feels like Ryan Day doesn't talk about the transfer portal with high praise or glowing reviews of of the transfer portal. I don't think he likes um I, I don't think his philosophy is that he likes that where the world of college football is going with the, uh, the one-time transfer rule. And now it's opening up. I mean, he said the word like unbelievable or crazy, like four or five times on Sunday talking about sort of the landscape of college football. And I know we don't want to belabor the point. And speaking of the transfer portal, obviously um, Quinn Ewers last week entered the transfer portal. And when he reclassified from the 21 class or to the 21 class, I was thinking, I think it's a one-off. I don't think it's going to be a trend, but they're... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I mean, I, I know that we wanted to, I, th- I think you want to get some stuff off your chest about Sunny Styles and the possible reclassification there. Do you think that's going to become a trend too, where guys now reclassify a whole year earlier like yeah. that process? Let me just say that I hope it doesn't, uh, but I, I'm afraid it will. Because everything else in college football has accelerated. I mean, we've, we used to talk about recruiting guys when they were heading into their junior years or heading into their senior seasons. And now we talk about it before they're even in, into their sophomore years. I mean, we're, we're, we're moving everything up. Name, image, and likeness is uh, advancing the opportunity for these kids to, to get paid for their, for their talents. Um, and I, I just don't think it's a great idea. Now, I will say. I think it was, this is very much an unintended consequence of the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, without question, there, there's one of these things that you just have to look at and go, okay, what happens now? How, how does this change everything? It's, it's not, it's not good. I mean, there are the, the macro reasons for that. Like, Hey, kids should be kids. Don't, you know, rush into your future. Don't, you know, give up these chances to make memories and go to prom and how, you know, that stuff's all well and good. Uh, but from a purely physical standpoint, and this is why, you know, with Sonny Style specifically, we can talk about the difference between a linebacker slash safety slash athlete like Sonny Styles and a quarterback. That's that's a fair argument uh, that maybe Sonny is better served by doing it than someone like Quinn Ewers was. Um, but Sonny just turned 17 years old. I mean, he just turned 17. And so that means by the end of his freshman season at Ohio State, if he does reclassify, and we'll talk about why that is now ramping up uh, in a moment, but it, by the end of his freshman season at Ohio State, a season where Ohio State plays Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, these are teams with very veteran rosters, 22, 23-year-old dudes lined up and down the roster because of the COVID year and all these guys that can come back, fifth, sixth-year seniors, all this stuff. He's 17 years old, and I don't care how big and how fast you are as a 17-year-old. You're, st- you're not bigger or stronger or faster than most of these guys at 22, 23 years old. And that is a physical challenge that I don't think a lot of people understand. We look at it from here. You're a highly recruited player. You're a top 10 player in the country. You have all this potential. You have all this upside. There's a reason why Wichita State and teams like that in basketball are always really, really good. They have a bunch of men playing against a bunch of 17 and 18-year-old kids in the tournament. Most of the time, these other schools, the Dukes of the world of Kentucky, yeah, they got a lot of really talented players, but most of the time, those are 17, 18-year-old kids who go up against these grown men 
And it is a different world. Now, quarterback, especially, you're talking about the development that requires to, to learn the position, the physical development, the emotional development, all of the things that come with it. I think it's a terrible thing for college football. I know for a fact this is not something Ohio State wants to happen. That, but you also are in a position, Zach, aren't you, where if a player like Sonny Styles, who's a top five player in the country, says, hey, I'm going to end up reclassifying, so I'm, I want to be there early – do you say no? Because otherwise you're playing against him in the first game next year. You're not in a position where you can tell him no. That's exactly what we went through with the Quinn Ewers stuff. I mean, it was kind of a sort of a spin zone thing of, well, he's coming, he's reclassifying, so he's going to be here early. Well, at least Ohio State doesn't have to worry about him decommitting or flipping at the end of the cycle, even though that's pretty much exactly what happened since he came in in August and then left yeah. pretty much a week before the early signing period, two weeks before. So it's almost as if he decommitted and he's flipping somewhere else, but they were not in the Ohio state was not in a position to tell him, no, don't do that. I think maybe they were a little indifferent about it and then said, yeah, go ahead and go ahead and come. And it, it's probably the same situation with Sonny styles there. You don't want to tell him no, because then maybe he gets turned off by that and says, okay, I'm going to go somewhere where I can do that. If that's really what's in his heart and he believes that's in his best interest when he talks yeah. about it with his family. So. Well, I uh, talked to Sonny about this. So, he committed on November 20th, right? I talked to Sonny about the possibility of this about two weeks earlier. Uh, and his rationale really was staying another year in high school is not going to make me physically more ready for college, which is fair. That's a fair argument. Um, but I don't think it's a done deal. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's the, the reason this is all out there now again and picking up steam is because he had to request the Pickerington school district for to allow him to graduate a year early. So he had to get in that request now if he wants to graduate in June. So it's not a done deal, but it certainly speaks to the fact that he and his family are seriously considering it because they're taking this next step that you have to take in order to make it happen. So something I guess I just thought of um, because they had to answer questions all season about when Ewers and whether or not he's uh, potentially going to play this year, if he's ready to play. Um, would someone like Sonny, he's not going to be physically ready to play that first season. Would he consider just, I mean, right off the jump, taking a redshirt year so that then there don't have to be questions asked or answered about well, whether he may or may not play as a true freshman? I mean, would that know, help solve anything? Would that make it worse? I don't know. Yeah, but a redshirt year is different now than it was three years ago. So it's it's all these things. Yeah, he, Sonny again, and I, this is not a done deal. But as we were discussing this possibility a few weeks ago, you know, he said, "I know I'm not. I know I wouldn't expect to come in and play." Like so, I don't think it's even in his mind that he would come in and be a contributor and be a, a difference maker at Ohio State. He wants to get into the weight program, begin working with Mick Marotti. He wants an opportunity to to get on a weight plan a diet plan of someone you know just the the day in day out schedule and life of college football to get himself prepared for it now obviously for ohio state fans that means with a player like him we'd expect that he's a three and done guy so now you lose an extra year of eligibility for him down the road which sucks but this is again this is where we're at he doesn't have any intention or desire or belief that i'm going to walk in and be the man at ohio state like he's not part of that's not part of the puzzle, but he can play four games and still redshirt. So what happens if he goes out there and he makes a couple of big plays and all of a sudden life changes? Then, you know, it's just there's so many things. I mean, it, and I, I go ahead. If that's his if that's his rationale, his reasoning, then I would not be even remotely surprised if over the next couple of years we see that this become a trend for the top five, top guy, 10 guys the uh, upper echelon recruits out of high school because yeah, they kind of are, a lot of them are sort of just killing time that senior year until they can get on a college campus. And obviously high school programs, even at IMG are not going to be, have the same, same strength and conditioning or nutrition yeah. program or the money, the millions of dollars that Ohio state can provide. So if that is the mentality of a Sonny styles or other players like him, to where I don't, I know I'm not going to come in and contribute. Yeah. Maybe there's a chance I get on the field, but it's basically seen as a developmental year right off the bat. I think that we that we will see this become a trend. 
I think it changes it. Even if it's not like 10 or 20 guys doing it every cycle, we're probably going to see more this happen more and more. Well, I mean, it it already happened this year. The the case we don't talk about is Braylon, uh, Braylon, uh, Braylon Allen. Yeah. Braylon Braylon Allen. It was was a 17 year old defensive back. And now he's a, uh, unbelievable running back right i mean so now there is something that braylon allen and sunny styles have in common and that it is a short trip home so if you're giving up that final year of high school and you run the risk of losing out on that feeling of being a kid and i think this is ultimately something that started this the snowball effect with queen ewers over the last few months i think the fact that he was far away from home way earlier than he anticipated being probably did play a role in his early decision to transfer. I think it helps in a situation like Sonny Styles or Braylon Allen that he's close to home. Sonny Styles would be 20 minutes away from home. It's hard to get homesick when you're 20 minutes away from home. So there, there's that. A lot easier. Yeah. It makes it way easier. You can go home for, for Sunday dinner and, and see your mom and dad. And, you know, it does make it a whole lot easier. But again, the more this happens and the more you see success of someone like Braylon Allen, who, again, running back, linebacker, athlete, Totally different than quarterback. But, I mean, read this from Jeff Ketchum, the owner of the Rivals.com Texas site, uh, on Tuesday morning. He wrote that the word on the street is that first-round pick level NIL money is on the table for Queen Ewers if he chooses Texas. Like, that's what we're dealing with now. College football is changing so grossly. And and I don't mean that, like, in gross as a huge. I mean grosses and disgusting. That Texas is posturing – Here's $10 million to come play at Texas. How on earth is this sustainable for college football? Like how, how, how is this going to, well, how is this ever going to stop? I think that was one of the things that that was one of the, um, I guess the debate topics of how this would, uh, would change the landscape. And right off the bat, they're going to be giving in Columbus a million dollars to a third, fourth string quarterback. I think, Maybe over the course of time, over the next few years, uh, the market kind of corrects itself because I think advertisers and companies are going to realize it's a terrible investment to invest millions of dollars into unproven teenage football players yeah. or to dump all this money into, into them being their spokesman when they haven't even seen the field or really accomplished anything because they come with the five-star billing or the perfect rating or I know we're just using Quinn Ewers as as an example, almost a martyr yeah. at this point. But um, I do think over the next, or I guess I hope that companies will be smarter in investing their money into more proven players, so that I guess it, like I said, it, that it kind of comes back to um, the, that things kind of correct themselves over the course of the yeah. next few years. I guess because you can't blame the kid for it if if that's a possibility. Right. If you have an opportunity. To, to go play at Texas for now two years and make six, seven, eight million dollars. How can you say no? If I was, when I was 17, if you would have offered me $20,000, you'd offer me $200. I probably would have taken it. I mean, right. come on. <laughs> like, so I'm saying it, it's changed so quickly and so grossly that I don't know that the average college football fan is going to want to keep up with it over the next few years. And, and I, you know, I think it's different again. I'm going to say the difference between styles again, a kid at home, a kid who's a Buckeye legacy, a kid who understands I'm not going there for name, image and likeness. I mean, sure. He'll get some, he'll get some opportunities there, but that's not the reason it's, I am six foot four and 220 pounds. How is staying in high school another year going to help me better prepare for the NFL? And I, I think that's a fair argument. Lorenzo styles is Sonny styles his coach. He's his father. If he's fine with that decision, if he's saying, you're right. We can't do any more for you here. Then you have to trust it. Um, but it it's not a spur of the moment thing. This is a, a lengthy discussion and a lengthy decision and one that hasn't been made yet. No, yep. I don't have much, much else to add. I guess we're just going to find out when it happens. Um, and I'm sure there'll be more coming in the next few weeks as we get closer. And speaking it, of getting closer, yeah. speaking of getting closer, we are a week away from the early signing period firm. And, oh god this cycle has been the longest one ever and it seems like nothing has ever happened which is and, what makes it kind of crazy is i think it's inarguably the most intriguing interesting of the ryan day era like early signing period because there's still five or six guys that are still on the board that we don't know i mean there's one or two guys that i feel more strongly than others about yeah. where they're going to go 
But of the Ryan Day era, this is, I think, inarguably the most intriguing. It's only the third cycle. I mean, yeah, it's obviously the third full cycle. But it's, uh, it seems like, and Ryan Day said it on, on Sunday that like it feels like he's been in the middle of a tornado. And this year, it's weird because I don't know on the recruiting trail that that's the correct analogy. It feels like there's just been a tornado warning the whole time on the recruiting trail and you're just sitting there waiting to see if the storm hits or if it doesn't and the sun just you know comes back in two hours later and you're like oh hey that was scary for a minute but hey pretty nice day actually safety's chilling in the basement waiting for the siren to stop to stop ringing right now playing parcheesi and just waiting and all of a sudden you look out through the 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 shelter door and you're like oh cool nice day actually and it is nice day ohio state's the number four ranked recruiting class in the country they have only 17 commitments and when everyone else has like 25 26 they're doing a great job but if you look ahead now in one week to signing to the signing period it kind of feels like a make or break moment for ohio state and the odd thing is and maybe this is just because we cover the buckeyes but you look around the country and there's all these schools that are having all of these changes happening and yet ohio state recruits seem to be like more tentative about that than the actual confirmed changes as opposed to just rumors and speculation well because why are you not you're you have a hundred people i mean you have the other coaches from the other schools saying look at how much instability and uh speculation is going on over there i mean how are you not supposed to hear that and uh read that if you're making the biggest decision of your life and i i don't it feels like this is not going to be the full Ohio State staff that's intact by the time January rolls around and by the the week after the Rose Bowl is over. Um, I I I just I think that w- with the early signing period this coming this close, I, I know I alluded or I said it last week on last week's show, and Ryan Day alluded to it, said it on Sunday that he thinks that more kids could start to push their decisions back to the regular February signing period, which I think if I recall correctly, I think he's been a proponent of that in the past. Um, at least last, I think last cycle he was maybe because of the COVID stuff. Um, yeah. But I, 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 I feel like that would be the best decision for a lot of these, a lot of these guys. But I think when looking at the last five or six Ohio state targets, I think there's really only one hero canoe who's in position to um, push his push his commitment date back because I think he's the only one who's not going to enroll early out of the last out of the guys that we're going to talk about today. Um, what what are your feelings on whether or not? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Players should start doing that. I mean, I don't think, I, don't, I can't remember if you talked about it, but it's like yeah. you're sacrificing six months of extra development to find out if that staff is fully going to be in place, it's, I mean, it's a give and take. It's a big, it's just another big decision that they would have to make. Yeah. I mean, I think it's clear that enrolling early is a positive for players in their development, but there are questions that come with it. And, you know, we talked about it on talking stuff last week uh, presented by buyers auto that I, I thought like I, I wouldn't sign till February. If I was, if I was a kid and I know I wasn't enrolling early, I would never sign until February uh, period. I would just not do it. Now, if you are, enrolling early, then you have to take some chances and you got to understand the risk of saying, well, things could change. And if that's the case, then you better be 100% sure in the program you're committing to and the head coach you're committing to and the commitment that the administration has in the program you're committing to, because that doesn't change if names and and faces do. Um, And I think for that reason, I I think that it makes sense for a lot of kids who want to get a head start on their development, because again, like we said earlier, everything is sped up. So these kids are looking ahead. You enroll six months early so that you can graduate six months early, so that you can go to the NFL a year early, so you can start making generational wealth for your family a year early. Those are the decisions you make. You have to take risks in life. That's just kind of simple, I think. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I, 
it is the game now. I mean, Ohio State signed, brought in 29 players in the last two years early. I mean, that's and that is going to be the standard. Ryan Day did say on Sunday, as you said, like he thinks more kids this year will hold off and wait. But if you look at the guys that Ohio State's still looking at in the 2022 recruiting class, and right now I think we've got what seven guys that seven guys are still possibilities for Ohio State uh, to add, uh, and all of them I think are early enrollees. So that well, not Hero Canoe is not, but he still wants to sign early because he wants to get this over with. So all of them want to sign next week. Right. I think Ohio State's standing with their commits right now. They have 10 early enrollees and they had 14 in the 2020 class, 15 in the 21 class, which were both records. And if they finish strong in this class, they'll either tie or set a new record. I mean, that's a trend that I don't think is as um, it's not a, a red flag or anything like that. And um, when we're talking about the uh, the last targets and enrolling early from that subject, I talked to Caden Curry last week after his um, his in-home visit with Ryan Day and Larry Johnson. And one of the things that he was like, he was very much on the fence of, and this is something I had talked about with him was he had been dead set in the summer and fall that I'm going to enroll early in January. And then over the past month or so, it's been, he, he had been putting some serious consideration into actually, maybe I want to have one more last run at trying to win a, a state championship in baseball because he is a baseball star. He's yeah. um, he's one of the best prospects in Indiana in baseball too. So he was seriously considering that. So when he did his in-home visit with, with Day and Johnson, um, it, it was it, like those visits are sort of a lot of times just cherry on top, like some extra relationship building, getting more comfortable uh, from both sides between family and coaches. But that one actually gave him some insight Got him, uh, allowed him to ask some questions about wh- what are the pros and cons of if I enroll early versus uh, if I don't. And um, the Ohio State side gave that gave him the pros and cons of, of it. Uh, his high school coach, Eric Moore, talked about it, too. And at the end of the day, at the end of the conversation, after they left, he, Caden was like, yeah, I'm going to enroll early. Like that's, yeah. that's pretty much set in stone now. And it comes back to pretty much everything you just said, plus you get, you get an extra six months on campus before your life really starts in summer and fall camp. So, I mean, I do think the benefits outweigh the, the negatives, but it's funny. Because the hardest part of going away to college, the hardest part of going away to college, and this isn't just for football players, it's for everyone. It's the first you year. have to adjust to being on your own. you got to adjust to waking up every day and making your own breakfast and doing all the stuff that, like, most kids have their parents doing for them. Uh, and so getting that first six months to just get acclimated, to learn time management, to understand what it's going to take physically and emotionally, mentally to play big time college football like that. That's the benefit. That's why you see so many kids doing it, because like if you'd rather str- go through those struggles in January and February than in August and September when you're trying to play football. And, and I think that, um, you know, it makes perfect sense why kids do it. And I, I certainly agree that in most cases, if you're going to a place like Ohio State and you know what you're getting into college football-wise, I think it is a pro, but you then have to weigh those risks against all of the changes that are happening in college football. And, you you know, it, it's the transfer portal, as bad as it is for college football in general, does give you a little bit of a wiggle room in case something crazy happens. Or, you know, we've seen it multiple times in the last few years. A guy like Brew McCoy out at USC, you know, goes to Texas and, and then within three weeks of being on campus at Texas, I'm, I'm, I don't like it. I'm transferring home to USC. And then, you know, it, it does change the way people view you. It changes your whole career path and your development path. So it doesn't take away from the fact that bottom line, you need to be really darn sure of the place you're going to school. And, you know, there are things that kids don't get asked a lot anymore on the recruiting trail by coaches, by players, by parents, by, you know, their high school coaches. And it's very simple. If you weren't going to play football, which school would you go to? And I still think, generally speaking, that to me is the bottom line, baseline answer for where kids should go to school. Like where, if you went there and the first day you were there, you tore both of your ACLs and you never played football again, where would you want to be a student? Where would you want to live? Where would you? And I think that still has to matter. And there are still kids who are absolutely uh, considering that I mean, going through that process. I can't remember who it was. I'm trying to look at the commit list. Um, I had one Ohio State commit who I talked to after 
um, either after he committed or shortly before. Now I can't remember, but he, he went through that process himself. He was asking himself those questions. Like if I stepped on campus and I, like you just said, and I tore my ACL day one, I could never play football again. Or if I suffered uh, even worse injury and never play football again, where would I be the most comfortable for the next four years? Um, even if I wasn't, wasn't an athlete. So maybe that's not a factor in everyone's recruitment, but there are still, uh, there are still players who are considering that. I mean, yeah, um, well, it's just, it's just the mentality of a, of a high level athlete. You don't ever think about what happens when I'm done. What happens if football doesn't work out? None of these guys go into college thinking about like what happens next. <laughs> so it, it is, it's a hard thing to visualize because you're so used to having such success and you're so used to doing everything better than everyone else, but that's just not real life. All right, Berm. Enough with a big picture series. I love big picture, man. You know, I know you do. The, the last two weeks, rants. the last two weeks of talking stuff, we've had a lot of these bigger picture uh, conversations. I don't know if people liked it or not, but I liked it, and so I guess that's what's important. Of course, you what, did because it was just you talking. You're like, yeah. you know what? I love to talk. I I might just do the whole show. What was what's the uh, what is what is it? Well, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will have to listen to every word I have to say. And well, yeah. we're we let you go off. We let you we just kind of let you cook there for I mean, a little bit. They don't have to listen to it. I guess they can just hit stop. And you're over there throwing 120 miles an hour right now. And all I want to do is play in or out. How about a game of in or out? In or out. I love that game. It's America's favorite recruiting. Someone's game. actually someone set uh Spencer a tune. Yeah, but we he's... never got it. We will have to address that with Chives. We never actually listened to it. Yeah, I, I I guess the file was uh, too big that didn't send through the email. Whatever. If you are that person who sent the the jingle to Spencer, send it again. Maybe yeah, compress that, it. compress it, and uh, you know resend it. Okay, so I'm gonna pretend to be Spencer, which I mean burns me in my core that I have to even say that. But it should. Yes. We're going in or out. We are less than 24 hours, or no, just about 24 hours away from a Xavier Wampa commitment announcement. And where's he going, Berm? I got my, I have my opinion that I don't feel strongly about at all. Yeah. I want to hear from you and then I'll go. I don't feel strongly about it either because it just seems like the winds are fully blowing this toward Iowa. And I, but there hasn't been, and in most instances, in most recruitments, especially high profile recruitments, you can almost point to like a watershed moment where something happened and that completely shifted the recruitment on its head and it changed the direction and ultimately the choice. And I don't think that there has been one of those moments with Xavier Wampa and Iowa, but it seems like it's just been a slow but steady rise for the Hawkeyes as they continue to, you know, win football. They play good defense. They, uh, I mean, generally speaking, um, they have done a great job recruiting Xavier Wampa longer than anyone. He was, that was, he was offered first by Iowa. Um, they, you know, he knows players there from being from his high school there in, in Iowa. There's a lot of reasons why everyone is super confident in Iowa. And I get it. I really do. Uh, and I'm probably going to be wrong on this. Like, I'm, I'm willing to say that right now. I just, I've, I've followed recruiting for a long time in my life. And I just don't know why, but I don't believe it. I think he's going to pick Ohio State. And I have no evidence for that other than the fact that he's always liked Ohio State and his relationships there are really good and I think the Buckeyes opportunity is one that he feels like he just has to give himself to, to try it and, and make sure um, but yeah I mean I think he's gonna pick Ohio State I think my confidence on the RPM the on three recruiting prediction machine is like 40 percent on Ohio State I'm not entirely confident I talked to sources uh, in Columbus on Tuesday morning he had his at home with Iowa on Monday night. The response I got was that they still don't know. They don't have an answer. Maybe Iowa does have an answer and Ohio State's just out of the loop. Maybe Iowa's just feeling confident because they haven't really been involved in this type of recruitment with a kid from inside of their state's borders in, in a long time. I know why everyone's picking Iowa. I totally get it. I, I, I guess it's likely that I'll be wrong, but my gut just tells me that Ohio State, there's something that he wants to complete there. Yeah, I'm going to wait until tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to try to get as much 
information as possible leading up to the announcement before I make a pick. Right now, I'm sitting at Iowa 50, 55% because it, it's felt like Ohio State this whole time. It's just felt gut. I mean, in my in my head, like looking at analysis, getting the information I've gotten and gut feeling has been Ohio State because of the relationships he has with the, the commits in the class and um, yeah. the, the vision they have for him to be Ronnie Hickman, all of those things. It's felt like Ohio State, but just over the last few weeks, month, two months, like or probably yeah, the last probably three, four weeks uh, mainly, like you said, it's been like a slow and, and yeah. steady thing. And I know that um, game, uh, playing time, playing early is one thing that he has had at the forefront of his mind as a factor into, into his decision. And I know that I've taught, said this like a billion times over like the last two months. So I know I keep reiterating myself, but first of all, Notre Dame, I think we we feel pretty confidently that they're, that they're out of this race, but I think they're running third. I wouldn't say they're out, but uh, I certainly think that they are the third team here. Yes. So Ohio State has sold him, sold him on a Ryan Hickman role, which I believe, like after watching Xavier uh, Xavier's game film and what, uh, looking at the Ryan Hickman role, I think that's what fits him best. But I was selling him on this Dane Belton role, the cash position, which is pretty similar. But that has now been that that position's been around and been more prominent in the Iowa defense longer than Ohio State's bullet role has been with Ronnie Hickman, mm-hmm. and. Dane Belton just won, just got first team all Big Ten. And I know Ronnie Hickman was third team and he probably should have been second team at, at a minimum. At worst. Yeah. I mean, we, we can debate that uh, for uh, for whatever. Another day. Yeah. Uh, cows come home. But I think Dane, I, I, I do think that the cash position right now, there's more proof in the pudding because Armani Hooker was the, the first guy who uh, started in that role, became a NFL draft pick. I think. I was looking at like mock drafts. I don't know how reputable they are. I think Dane Belton was projected as potential second, maybe third round pick if he decides to leave. I think this is his third season, so he's strapped eligible. Um, and there's a star role for whoever comes in and fills that role. Mm-hmm. And it, that's now happened for two guys in a row with Hooker and Belton. Hickman was really sort of the first uh, instance of that. And yeah. he did become a star in this Ohio State defense. So this episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, now streaming only on Hulu. I think it, I think Xavier would have to kind of weigh which one he trusts more to be developed. And when you throw in the fact that Belton, it, seemed, it looks like he's going to go for sure to the NFL draft. Yeah. And Hickman, it's still up in the air. I'm not sure if he will. I, I, I kind of get the sense that he's going to stick around for another year. So if Xavier does want the chance to be a year one contributor, I think he would have a better shot at doing that at Iowa and Ohio State. And when you combine all of these – all these up to the fact that his mom reportedly or is rumored to want him to stay home with Iowa. He has the hometown hero, all yeah. that. When, when you add all those up, it, it, it gives me the, it, it makes my prediction at right now come to Iowa. But like I said, yeah, I mean, even I said adding all that up, I'm like yeah. a 50 to 55% confidence. There's no doubt that Iowa has, a lot of data points in their favor here. And again, I agree, like the opportunity to get on the field regularly and early uh, is important to him. I, I believe Xavier Wampa is a good enough player to get on the field early at Ohio State, but certainly there is a path of least resistance at Iowa to doing that. And that's not a bad thing. Like for these kids, the earlier you get on the field, the more you develop, the more reps you get, the better chance you have to be in the NFL down the road. Uh, again, I, I know that I'm going to be on an island on this, and I, I I wouldn't recommend anyone follow me to it because it's certainly the math does not add up to this ending up with Xavier Wampa picking Ohio State. Uh, but I just well, feel like I just feel like there's something there that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna back off of, and uh, I I I'm willing to be wrong. 
See, the last time that I remember, at least prominently, where you were on an island where everyone else was going the opposite way was Derek Davis Jr. in the last cycle. And I remember getting the information I got when uh, we were competitors instead of how we are now as brothers. Brothers. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you were the only one saying Derek Davis was not going to be going to Ohio State, and that proved to be accurate. Well, I yeah. had information that yeah. he wasn't, so that was different. This, I'm going to be I'm as blunt as I can be, people watching, listening. I have no idea. I do not have any inside scoopage here from Ohio State or anyone. Like it is simply uh, the Ohio State commitments, who for months and months were very confident that Xavier Wampa would join them in, in Columbus. Are I'm not going to say they're not confident, but they are certainly less adamant than they were months ago. They are are saying, hey, we don't know. We're going to wish him well wherever he goes. I think that this process has been very arduous for guys like Xavier Wampa, who have every week seen people talk about where they're going. Oh, it's a done deal. He's going here. And it's annoying to them. And I think that a lot of this uh, kind of uncertainty has been born of that. Um, so right now, hey, you know, here we are. It's Tuesday afternoon. It's 1.11 p.m. as we're saying this. Uh, anything can change. He may end up, you know, initially I read that Xavier wanted to let the coaches know on Monday or Tuesday uh, ahead of tomorrow's Wednesday decision. I'm going to just say now that I bet he doesn't let anyone know because he understands this business. And if he does let people know, then it's going to leak out. And I don't think he wants that to happen. Uh, so I think this is going to be one of those instances where we truly go into decision day without anyone having received the final answer. Isn't that awesome, Berm? We were I, I mean, good Come for on. him, man. Good for him, recruiting man. is back. It's and it's it, frustrating for fans. I get it. But I mean, I just, again, I could be wrong. I may very well be wrong. I fully acknowledge that I may be the only person wrong about it, but I'll, I'll, I'll own that if I, uh, if it comes down to it. So let's move on. We just spent 20 minutes talking about Xavier Wampa. We got to run down here. Well, let's go back to the offense. Carson Hinsman, in or out? Um, I'm going to say out. I know the the heart versus head thing is something I've been talking about. And I, 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 I'm i not that. He's one I only think I'm going to put in a prediction for because I still, I could absolutely see him picking Ohio State, but I yeah. still just, my strong gut says that he's going to stay home with Wisconsin, even after it, all this process. Yeah. It's hard to to beat Wisconsin for an in-state player. Carson told me a month ago, like he never imagined he would consider another school other than Wisconsin if the Badgers offered. I'm sure Billy Strouth felt the same way. The other offensive lineman from Wisconsin who's not committed anywhere yet, and he's down to Wisconsin and Notre Dame. Maybe it's just that type of cycle. I don't know. Maybe it's that cycle where where these kids decide to go elsewhere. I, I there's two opposing viewpoints here. One is for a player to choose a school that's not his home state. You wait until the last minute to do it because it's less pressure from the hometown folks, and then you can just kind of slink out of town. There's the other viewpoint, which is if he's really as torn as he says, and as his father has told me, and as his head coach has told me, uh, then I. I think in that case, he leans probably towards staying home because like at the end of the day, you start to think home is home. Uh, I'm going to say out, but I'm not confident in that. I really do believe Ohio State could win that battle. Um, but anyway, Ernest Green, I think we both agree, is out. Alabama or Georgia seems to be the the lucky winner there for Ernest Green. Any other context? Uh, no, not really. I mean, the, he just took – uh, an official visit to Alabama last week. And I think they've, it, it feels like we've been talking Georgia versus Ohio state for Ernest green this whole time. And then here comes Alabama uh, seemingly what, what they do. just do their work because that's what Alabama does. I mean, he, really... he took an official visit there two weeks ago, then visited Alabama the day before the sec championship game, and then went to the sec, SEC championship game uh, somehow, I guess. And, and, you know, this is the way it works, folks. I mean, you, you don't uh, don't win them all. And, and no matter – sometimes, you know, we, we say comfort in relationships is is the big thing in recruiting, uh, and that is generally true, but it's not true for everyone. And uh, the opportunity to go to Bama or Georgia and play and what they're doing right now, that, uh, I guess, is the the difference. So, um, anyhow, let's move on. Defensive line, that's, that's where we're heading. Yep, and speaking of Alabama, Caden Curry – 
is seemingly down to Ohio State versus Alabama for his final decision, which will be coming in the next, I think next week, maybe a day or two before the December 15th signing period because he has decided to enroll early. Ohio State with Ryan Day and Larry Johnson, like I talked about earlier, they made their in-home visit last week. And uh, Nick Saban and Alabama defensive line coach Freddie Roach, they're supposed to be setting up an in-home visit sometime soon this week. I Alabama came on a lot stronger than I anticipated they would in, uh, toward the end of this recruitment. I think a lot of that was off the back of the official visit he made there uh, for the LSU game in, in, in November. And those they've been competing back and forth. And this is not – I don't think it's a clear, no-doubt win for Ohio State. I still have Caden Curry to Ohio State. I have him in. And I, I think that the vision that Larry Johnson, Ohio State, has been able to sell him on of how he would be used in this defense – is stronger and more clear than what Alabama's is because Alabama, I know, I know we've talked about this. Alabama runs a three, four defense. And I just don't, I, I don't know if he fits in that in Alabama's scheme as a, for what his skill set is. Yeah. Unless they're turning him into a straight up three tech, which I don't know that he wants to be a straight not, up three tech. No, he doesn't want to I do don't. that. That's why Clemson fell out of the race for him is yeah. because he didn't want he didn't envision himself being a three tech like Brian Brissy, which is what Clemson wanted. So I think I, I think also another factor comes down to Larry Johnson's retirement, which I know I'm even getting sick of even speculating or talking about Larry Johnson's retirement. Um, but he he's made it clear to Caden, I don't plan on I plan on coaching uh, through the 2022 class. Um, and he said he's going to he's going to stay on as long as his health allows him. So Caden's not even really worried about that. Like during the in-home visit, they he didn't even ask him like about the rumors and speculation. So I I know I'm sure Alabama is trying to fight uh, fight with uh, Ohio State I'm on sure, that. Yeah, Third right, day. exactly. And I, I think the point here is very simple. If the defense matters, if the three-four defense versus the four-three, and Caden believes he's an edge rusher who can play inside versus a pure three tech, which I think if you look at Bama's defense and I I'm as high on Caden Curry as a prospect and as an athlete, as anyone in the country, I believe he's a top 25 player in the country. And I, I think Ohio state feels the same way. They have made him their defensive priority. Number one defensive priority, this entire class outside of CJ Hicks. Uh, I, I don't think, that that's an accident. They really truly believe that he is a difference maker at that spot. The Nick Bosa role that you wrote about months ago. I don't look at the way Alabama uses their outside linebackers, guys like Will Anderson and something. That is a totally different athlete and totally different role than what Caden Curry can play at Alabama. I don't foresee Nick Saban changing his defense for Caden Curry because he doesn't change it for anyone. Uh, and Maybe again, you would know him, you know him better than I do in this instance, but I don't know that I see him as the type of dude who wants to go that far away from school. I don't think he cares about it. I think he would do it if it was a clear cut choice that Alabama was a way better option for him than Ohio State, but I don't think that's the case. And I think he'll pick Ohio State. Yeah, I don't think Alabama's, like you said, I don't think it's a way better option. I, I think that I developmentally, uh, Position-wise, for all the reasons you said, I think he's a better fit at Ohio State, but it's not my decision. So yeah, he has to exactly. weigh those options, and Alabama is going to get the last in-person word, uh, assuming that in-home visit does happen, which I have every reason to believe it will, yeah. um, going into signing day. But I have Caden Curry to Ohio State. Me too. Uh, so move on. Zion Branch. Out. Oh, I just don't see it. I mean, I know Ohio State really – like Zion from the start. I know there he's a player that really makes a lot of sense, but as I said last week and to the much chagrin of people, um, I think it was pretty clear for the last few months that the idea was that they would have preferred to go to USC if there was not chaos in Los Angeles. Now there is not chaos in Los Angeles. And I think he'll go to USC pretty much that simple. Yeah. And I think at this point, as we're talking now, Roy Manning is expected to be, the yep. new defensive backs coach there. Um, I have, I have Zion branch to USC as well. And I obviously, I have a better relationship with his brother, Zachariah branch, the receiver in the 23 class. And there's been 
some speculation that like there may not be a, a package deal necessarily. I'm not buying it. I think like we've talked about, you don't bet against Brian Hartline, but when the connections yeah. this strong with yeah. the family connections and USC is now uh, now made the splash higher and now they're in the honeymoon phase of being able to get bring in all these recruits. I mean, you saw there's like 19 five stars that just visited USC over the weekend. Um, yeah. I think I think even though Ohio State was in the lead for both, I do think that USC is going to win out for both the Branch brothers in the end. Agreed. Uh, moving on, who, who we got next? We got Hero Canoe. Let's hit on both back to back here and wrap it up. Hero Canoe and Amari Abor. I I still have both of them in, um, and I, I think Amari would be the only one out of these all the, these uh, last five or six targets who would potentially be affected by the Oklahoma Brent Venables hire, but I don't even think Brent Venables was recruiting him at Clemson. So I, I think maybe on the outside, it feels like that could be. Um, yeah. I mean, Omari grew up in an Oklahoma fan. He grew up an Oklahoma fan and we know that. Um, and uh, you know, I, I don't know at this point in his recruitment that who he rooted for as a kid matters. Um, he doesn't have a relationship with Brett Venables, doesn't have a relationship with anybody at Oklahoma and that new staff, especially now that Jamar uh, Kane, the, the defensive line coach, is moving to USC as well. I think this is Ohio State, Texas A&M for him, and I don't think Texas A&M, I don't know how they can take another uh, defensive lineman. I mean, they, they I think they're going to take 46 defensive linemen in this class already. Um, I think Omar Abor, who's receiving an official or is at home visit from Ohio State on Tuesday, uh, with Ryan Day, I, I think that that uh, I think Ohio State will be the winner there. And with Hero Canoe, what's interesting, I mean, as we dive into this last week of the recruiting contact period, Hero has an opportunity to to retake an official visit to Oklahoma if he wants to with Brett Venables, who he liked when he was being recruited by Clemson, uh, or to he could take another official visit to Notre Dame and see if there's any serious changes with Marcus Freeman, head coach. Um, and knowing that uh, that staff is staying in, in place, maybe he'll he'll give them another look. Or he could decide to take an official visit to LSU, who he was very interested in prior to Ed Orgeron's firing. And he obviously liked Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, so maybe he can go there. Uh, I think Hero Canoe ends up at Ohio State. I, I believe that the fit with Larry Johnson is as good as it is anywhere else. And, you know, we said it back in June, Zach, I don't you don't see Larry Johnson's eyes light up when he talks to a kid or uh, works a kid out the way that he did uh, when he dealt with Hero Canoe for those two days in June. It was super important for Hero to get back there in July. I just think that relationship is uh, too good to uh, to beat Ohio State at this point. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think I hit on this earlier in the show with, um, with a kid like Hero Canoe, who is not, is already set, he's not going to enroll early because uh, I think he was telling me class credits and stuff like that, whatever. Um, yeah. It, he, Plus, I not, think his high school doesn't allow him to. Yeah, he's not able to enroll early. So I think it would behoove a player like Hero Canoe to, to wait until the February signing period um, to see sort of the coaching carousel and chaos sort of simmer down and then he can take more time at the process. But if he's dead set on, I want this process to be over. I want to silently commit and sign in mid-December and then announce January at the All-American Bowl, which is still, as of today, I believe is still his plan. Um, if that's the case, then I think that's going to be Ohio State. I I just I do think that he have all these guys left, he would be the one that would make the most sense for him to push a, push a decision date back. But it doesn't yeah, maybe as of now that he's going to. But if the relationship with Johnson is – that much better than everywhere else, then there's no point in, in waiting. And and he has to be comfortable with that. And, um, you know, Ohio State would certainly like for that to be done. The Buckeyes want to be able to wrap up the class of 2022 for all intents and purposes on signing day next week so that they can then focus on where they go in the transfer portal and what other sort of additional players uh, they can try to add to supplement things from that end of next week to the February 3rd uh, signing day. And uh, focus on the 23 class in January, because that's what uh, Day said in his press conference on Sunday. That's that's why that's a big reason they also want the the 2022 class to be wrapped up by December so that they can use that entire month, January, to focus on the 2023 class. That's sort of their hope, their vision for how the rest yep. of these things go. Yeah, we are almost ready to turn the page on the 2022 recruiting class uh, for ourselves, but 
there's still some work to be done. Ohio State signing day, signing period, uh, excuse me, begins next Wednesday, the 15th, runs through Friday, the 17th. We imagine Ohio State will pretty much have everything wrapped up uh, by that next Friday, and maybe even before then. Uh, so Zach, myself, Spencer Holbrook, and the entire gang at Letterman Row will do our best to keep you updated on that. If you've stuck with us this far, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Byers Auto. We'll be back next week to talk more stuff then. Have a good one. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.